gets it through. Congratulations, Marnus Labashain. A second double century in Test Match Cricket. It's a masterclass in the body of work he's putting together in his career. Gets it fine. This is something special. The 100 coming off the double. Only the eighth batsman in Test history to do it. Take a bow, Marnus Labashain. Kimar Roach. Yeah. Bold him! Line finishes with six. Australia defeat the West Indies by 164 runs and take a 1 0 lead in this two test series. Is a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly and joining me as a special guest host. He's the host of the segment Tabsy's Take, and he's going to join us for the entire ride this evening. Matthew Tabiner, thanks for being a late call up to the Cricket Library Weekly. Yeah, it's great to uh, great to be back. It's been a few weeks since I've uh, I've been on, so it's great to get back. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I think Robbie has learnt what happens when you take on a statistician and try and go out of your lane. You end up uh, missing the lane and missing uh, quite a lot, and uh, no, not to be seen today. Have you heard from the Aubrey Library? I haven't heard from the Aubrey Library at all. Uh, let's just say that there there may have been a few runs before a ball had even been bowled, if that's giving any clues away. I don't know if it is or it isn't, but um, speaking of balls being bowled, Tabsy, the test match is over. And your man, Marnus Labashane, player of the match after a wonderful performance. Australia setting things up beautifully, making four for 598 in their first innings. Things were a little bit wobbly early with David Warner departing, but Usman Kawaja and Marnus Labashane had a nice little partnership there to get things going for the Australians. Usman departed for 65, but that just brought more trouble for the West Indies with Steve Smith coming in and making an unbeaten double hundred. Marnus Labashain, 204, and Travis Head out for 99. Very disappointing for Travis Head, out for 99. Windies came in and replied with 283. Good opening stand with Brathwaite and Shandipal on debut, making half century. Half century for Brathwaite as well. Uh, Then the Aussies. Two for 182, setting things up. Marnus Labashain, yet another 100. And the West Indies left to fight for a big chase. They fell 164 runs short with Craig Braithwaite, the best of the batters, 110. What a captain's knock that was. And Tabsy, great to see this one go to the, the, the final day. Great to see Nathan Lyon bag six wickets on a Perth pitch. Interesting, eight of the last, eight of the ten wickets coming from spin, six from Nathan Lyon, two from part-time spin of Travis Head. What were, you, what were your highlights, Tabsy? Oh, plenty of highlights. Uh, Steve Smith uh, said during the one-day game he's back. Well, he's definitely back with a, another 100 to uh, to his column, and that was enough to equal Don Bradman's uh, 29 test 100, so he'd be quite happy to, uh, to get to that mark. Uh, my man again, Marnus Labashain, he's just, just a metronome, just goes out and turns them out and away you go. So it's great to see that. But 
I think the big thing that I really enjoyed out of it was the fight by the West Indies. I think. Yeah. I reckon majority of people would have expected this to be over in three, maybe four days. Um, but there was times today where I reckon Australia might have been thinking or got a little bit frustrated and thinking this could turn into a draw. Um, well, first innings, they, they batted 98 overs, and in, in the second innings uh, today, they batted 110 overs. So it was great to see some fight from the West Indies. And um, after their T20 World Cup, where they didn't make it out of the group stage, I think that was really pleasing as a test cricket lover to see a team that you know hasn't had a lot of success recently uh, really fight and, and take it to the, the top-ranked nation. Now, now, you mentioned not a lot of success recently. In your pre-prepared segment for Tabsy's Take this evening, we were going to take a bit of a deep dive. And can you tell us, and I think I was watching this on Fox Classics just the other day, the last time the West Indies had some success down here? Well, yeah, the last time they actually won a, they've won a test match in Australia is 25 years. Wow. 25, before they even won a test match, they've had four test tours uh, since 96-97, and that was when they last won a test year. They lost that series 3-2. Mm. Um, but the last time they actually won a series in Australia was 1992-1993, which was the last time Australia lost to the West Indies because of the famous uh, tour to the West Indies after that. Mm. But... So I was pretty lucky to win that because Australia was leading that series 1-0 and it was the, the Adelaide Test where uh, Australia lost by one run. It's the uh, court behind... Craig McDermott. Craig McDermott, yeah. And I think... Uh, I don't know if they got the ball out of the dressing room floor after Alan Ford <laughs> the ground. I, I remember that vividly. Yeah. Uh. Um, so, yeah, but then they went to Perth and the West Indies in Perth in 1990. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be facing them. <laughs> that, that was the famous Kirtley Ambrose spell of seven for one, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he just ran through them and oh, the ball wasn't bent. Some were going and taking people's <laughs> heads off and the next one was taking the ankle off. And I remember some wickets. <laughs> it was just rolling along the ground. So, yeah, you don't want to be facing any fast bowler there, but especially guys like Kirtley Ambrose and Courtney Walsh, uh, et cetera. And now this is this is the third test at Optus Stadium. Obviously, the Wacker Ground we were just mentioning there was infamous for pace and bounce. Have you got any data around how things have been going since the move to Optus Stadium, and uh, what can we what can we glean from what we've seen so far? Well, I think the big thing, and you, you raised it before, was that spinners in the second innings took eight out of ten wickets. Now, when was the last time that any Perth wicket would have seen spinners take eight out of ten wickets any time? Um, and what, amazingly, that the leading wicket taker at Optus Stadium in the third test match is now Nathan Lyon with 22. Yeah. Uh, he was equal with Mitch Stark prior to this test, but Lyon's come away with eight and Mitch Stark only four. Um, yeah, I reckon there'll be some Western Australian people not only turning in their graves, but Dennis <laughs> Lilly might be bringing up uh, the poor Wacker people and saying, or who looks after Wacker, uh, off the stadium and saying, well, what's the go here with some spinners being the go over here in Western Australia? Um, especially the talk in the lead up to the test was that it's going to be fast and bouncy just like the old Wacker. So, yeah, that's right. That was definitely yeah. the feeling, wasn't it? Um, now. Big scores. Have there been any big scores prior to this test not, match? Not really. No team had ever scored over 500 and only two teams, or only two scores over 300 and, and Australia had scored both of them. Um, the highest score previously before this test was 416. Well, Australia smashed that with four declared for 598. 
Um, so they're the first team to get over 500 at the stadium. But the West Indies uh, now have the two highest scores uh, for a visiting nation at the, off the stadium. Um, and the first team to score more than 300. So India and New Zealand have played there previously but haven't achieved that. So, uh, again, another credit to the West Indies. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about the toss of the coin? The all-important toss of the coin used to be the saying growing up, um, if you win the toss, you have a bat. If you're not sure, you win the toss, you have a think about it, and you're still bat. Is it a bat first wicket? Optus Stadium. No doubt about that. Three Australia's won all three tests at Optus Stadium. They've won the toss all three times, and they've batted first all three times. So uh, you're, you're playing catch up if you uh, if you don't call heads or tails correctly at the start of the game. So yeah, well there you and go. Probably, yeah, so yeah, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. I don't think it's the, the first we played well. I reckon. You know, West Indies were chasing it down quite well and still had plenty of time and looked like it still played fairly well today. So um, I don't think I don't think the toss has anything to do with not especially in this test match that just finished. Yeah, that's right. And Smith and Labuschagne, they love each other. That's very clear for everyone to see. They've got very common interests. They both love batting. Uh, I think they like the iconic board game test match as well. Uh, but their partnership. And the record that stood previously, there was a few changes to some records in this test match, Tabsy. Oh, there isn't. There isn't. So the highest partnership uh, at off the stadium before today was held by Labuschagne and Smith uh, with 132. So not a not a high high number. Uh, they got broken three times uh, this time, uh, this test, and it now stands at 251 between Smith and Labuschagne from the first innings. So when you both get double hundreds. It's probably you're going to break some records with that. <laughs> um, we also saw um, Marnus Labuschagne now has the highest score at, off the stadium, beating uh, his own record of 193. He's got that with 204. And I don't know, Steve Smith might have a little word to Pat Cummins and said, maybe a couple of more owners, mate. I'm 200 not out. Could have broken that record. But I'm sure Steve Smith's not all about the records at the moment. Nah, he that'd be the furthest thing from his mind. I think Steve Smith, he'd just be enjoying being invincible once again at the crease. Yes, no doubt about that. Now, Marnus Lavashane, I, I know this isn't the Marnus Lavashane weekly podcast, but he, he is warranting a lot of discussion. Uh, double hundreds. What, what's what's the story here for Marnus? I know he made that magnificent 215 in Sydney where the, the Sunday papers, they, they had a couple of couple of great headlines after that Sydney test, one of them being you the man, and then when he made the 215, man on a mission, some great headlines there. Um, what more can you tell us about his numbers? Oh, I can tell you a heap about my man. He's, he's my man. <laughs> um, I've been on him right from the word go when he was kicked in the Sydney test, batting at three, and he just copped it from everyone. But he came out and got an 80, I think, that game. And he's always been my man after that. But he's now the third Australian and the eighth batsman in all-time test history to score a double century and a century in the same test. So the other Australians are uh, 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 Walters and 
Chapel, Greg Chapel. Oh, former guest on the Cricket Library podcast, Greg GS Library. Chapel. I think we talk about that double hundred actually in that chat. So go back and have a listen. Yeah. You can find out more about that. Yeah, so they've both done it. But now also too is that uh, Minus Lubbershane has the second best batting average in Australia. It's, cu- it's currently at 72.2 and he's only uh, behind one batsman who probably has every batting <laughs> record that's never going to be beat when it comes to averages and that's Don Bradman at 98.22. So mostly Bradman averaged better outside Australia than in Australia. So is it fair to say uh, that Bradman struggled in Australian conditions? He did, yeah. I was just doing some quick math in my head. If he averaged 98.22 in Australia, he's nearly averaged over 100 in overseas. Yeah. Well, I might have to take that on advice. We'll have lucky something for next week's show, I reckon. I think so, yeah. And yeah. what about Steve Smith? How's Steve Smith track in Australian conditions? I reckon he'd go all right. Well, yeah, he's third, 66.46. So, minus is six runs and innings better than Steve Smith in Australia. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, what a what a pair to have coming in at number three and number four in your lineup. Yeah, and it's they're probably going to have a chance because you know probably we'll talk about this in the shield a bit later. But David Warner's only averaging twenty eight in the last couple of years, so I know he wants to get to the Ashes next year. But there might be a few discussions starting to maybe you've thought about David Warner. Warner's position. Ivan's only averaging 28 and hasn't had a test century in a couple of years as well. So, oh, Don't be um, surprised if DA Warner comes out and uh, makes a bold statement before this summer's over, Tabsy. Oh, I think so. I think I, he, he's actually looked pretty good. He, in yeah. the one day, he's got a couple of 80s and um, he's got a couple of good scores there. So I think he was looking pretty good. And he looked good in the second innings too. The first innings, you probably want to take that shot back. But the second innings, he also was looking pretty good before he's 48. So, yeah, I don't think a big one's too far away for Dave Warner. You know, you always back class. Yeah. And he's got plenty of that. So I've got, I've got no doubt that, you know, we'll see a Dave Warner century before this test series is, is over, even against the South Africans. Hey, now, now, famous names in West Indian cricket, the Shandipal name is there. And wasn't it great to see the son of Shiv Narayan Shandipal Shandipal making his test debut and getting getting to 51. Yeah, it was great. And I was a bit surprised he's 26 years old. He, yeah, so was I, actually. And, Robbie and, and I mentioned that last like, week, I think. Yeah, I, I was quite shocked to hear that because he looks all right, actually. He looked pretty good. He looked composed. And for an opening batsman, he looked, he looked quite good. And uh, his score of 51, so a half century on debut and a 45 in the second. His father's Shivnarayan. Um, also made a 50 on test debut. He got 62, so Dad, Dad uh, just picked the uh, the young bloke. But that's quite interesting. But also more interesting is that Mitch Stark can also take claim now. He's dismissed both of them. He's oh, yes. In, yes. He got rid of uh, Shivnerine in uh, 2012 LBW, and then he's got his son, uh, Tenderine, bold in 2022. So 10 years ago, he got his father, and this uh, this test match, he's, he's got the son. So he's got the, he's got the double. Well done, Mitchell Stark. Gee, uh, when when it comes to dinner table discussions, that would be a very interesting one sitting around with those guys. And the the, the West Indian captain, I, I really felt he stood up and led from the front. Uh, first test century against Australia. He goes very well, doesn't he, Tabsy? He goes very well. And West, the openers, and this is why I hope Chanderpaul will actually can stick with him for a little bit because the openers for West Indies have struggled, struggled a bit. But as we spoke, that Braithwaite has scored the last 11 centuries 
by West Indian opener. Oh, gee, that's a pretty so not, heavy load to carry, isn't it? Yeah, you've got to go to Chris Gale. Twenty twelve to find the last one. So yeah, that's that's a, that's quite alarming. So hopefully Chanderpool, because I reckon that those two could make quite a good a good opening partnership. They they look very good together. They ran well between the wickets, and I think there might be something there. So hopefully they can continue on. But sad to break, but he's the first West Indian captain uh, to score a century in Australia in the fourth innings in a test yeah, over wow. in 1969. So, um, yeah, he really stood up this, this test match and, and I'm a huge fan of, of Braithwaite. Um, he's leading that team very well and they could see that they all dug in behind him and, you know, um, hopefully they can build from that because, yeah, it was quite impressive to see. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And any any notable mentions, any other notable mentions from this test match that we, we might want to just take note of before we take a break and talk some Sheffield Shield cricket? Oh, I think we better talk bowlers. There's been a lot of batsmen. <laughs> um, which, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Pat Cummins took his 200th test wicket in this test when he got rid of Chanderpaul. So, uh, or was it Chanderpaul or was it um, the, the Blackwood? I can remember, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. pretty sure it wasn't Chanderpaul. I'm just going to have a quick look here. I, it yeah. was... Craig Braithwaite, was it? Yeah, it could have been. Actually, yeah, the first innings, we'll have a yeah. quick look here. Yeah, it was Craig Braithwaite, clean bowling, that's right. That was a peach of a delivery, that one. Yeah, it was. It's not a bad way to bring 200, 200 test wickets up. So, um, but it's the first time in test history that the four bowlers in the team all had 200 wickets, or 200 plus wickets. You know, you've got uh, Nathan Lyon, who moved up to uh, overall eighth in the overall um wicket-taking list. You've got Mitchell Stark, who's got over 200. You've got Josh Hazelwood over 200. And now you've got Pat Cummings that joins the, the group as well. And, and can I just say, too, last week I boldly predicted Cameron Green would make a massive impact in this series. And so far, Cameron Green, DNB, and DNB for Australia with the bat. So he did He did get to, to do a little bit of bowling, 10 overs and a wicket in the first innings. And in that second innings, he got through 13 overs. So he's bowled 23 overs. But uh, is it possible that I may, may have struck him with the Cricket Library Weekly curse by talking yeah, him well, up? Well, yeah. Well, let's just wait <laughs> for the end of the second test. Yeah. Um, when you only lose six wickets in two innings, it's hard to get a bat if you're batting at number six or anything under yeah, five, to yeah. be honest. Um, and to be honest, when it was four declared, it was only because Trevor's head got out. So uh, he wasn't getting the bat anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we'll give him another test and we might just see. But I'm sure he enjoyed his first test in Perth uh, at being a proud Western Australian. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to finish up, uh, Stephen Smith equaling Bradman's record. We mentioned that, um, but how how does that equate in speed, Tabsy? Yeah, well, uh, he's the third quickest to that mark uh, to twenty nine behind Bradman, of course, because he only played fifty two Test matches, so <laughs> he got it in, he got his in seventy nine innings, and Tendulkar yeah. was one hundred and forty eight. Um, so. Steve Smith, he's got it in 155. So he's not far off Tendulkar. That's um, quite remarkable, but, actually, yeah. yeah. But I think every time you look at stats and you see these kind of things, you just see how great Bradman is. He's always nearly double or Which, half. 
which begs the question: what, Why did why do we ever have the discussion around who the greatest of all time is? Like it's it should be who is the second greatest of all time. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I, it always comes about, you know, all rounders, you know, with Sobers or Lloyd or yeah, a number of people. You know, you could even put Jack Carlos. Jack Carlos had a better test average than Tendulkar, but um, he also bowled first change. But yeah, gee, I tell you what, if you had Bradman, he's getting a hundred from him every game. If you've got a batsman in your team, you're just going to get a hundred from every game. Oh, although though his numbers in Australia. Uh, not quite as good as overseas tabs. You see, you might come come and discuss someone else for Australian conditions, would you? Oh, I think I think I'll take a ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> I think the batsman might get disappointed and get now for ninety eight. But yeah, yeah. I reckon if you went to any of the uh, Australian top six and said you can have ninety eight every test you play in Australia, I'm sure that they're all taking it. Yeah, I'm taking that every day of the week. Well, <laughs> how about we take a break, Tabsy, and uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk some Sheffield Shield, and then we've got the second half of your statistical analysis coming up as well. We'll, we'll dissect some of the pandemonium in that England v Pakistan test match. That's that's going to be incredible to go through that. That was a scorecard that is an absolute bowler's nightmare. And we've got your trivia question as well. So make sure we stay tuned for that. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time to talk Sheffield Shield here on the Cricket Library Weekly. A very eerie welcome back to the Cricket Library Weekly. I don't know who chooses these little uh, sound bites in between our segments, Tabsy, but that was that was quite eerie. Oh, it's one of the highlights of each week to know what what's going to be played. You never know. We've had some, <laughs> had, had some wrestlers. We've had wrestlers. We've got the X Files. We've got oh, what's going to be next? Artificial intelligence robots. Yeah. It's it's yeah. all here each and every week on the Cricket Library Weekly and Sheffield Shield. And I know one of your favourite players, Tabsy. He, he made a half century in a losing cause, Jared Freeman from Tasmania, 52. Uh, but let's let's go through the tale of the tape. South Australia, 329 a century for Jake Weatherald and a century for Nathan McSweeney, who was also named player of the match. They set things up really nicely here, South Australia. Peter Siddle, four wickets for Tassie, three wickets for Jackson Bird. And in reply, Tassie all at 149 with... Some very inspired bowling across the board. Where's Agar? Two for 50. Nathan McAndrew, three for 51. And Brendan Doggett, four for 21. Ripping through the Tassies. Jake Doran, the best of the batters there, 42 from 53. South Australia went back in, made some more runs. Daniel Drew, 92. The best of the batters there. Four more wickets for Jackson Bird. Tabsy's man, Jared Freeman, three for 46. Bo Webster, two for 33. And then Tassie, all out, 208. Matthew Wade, 42. As mentioned, Jared Freeman, 52. Four wickets for Wes Agar. Two wickets for Nathan McAndrew. And Brendan Doggett in the wickets again with three. Ben Menenti, one. Tabsy, a win for South Australia and a convincing one. Yeah, they don't get they don't get too many wins in South Australia, but I've really enjoyed what they've done this year. You can see the improvement uh, from this side and... 
good to see Jake Weatherold uh, finding some runs and, and finding a, a role in that team. I, I think he's a bit of an underrated player. He's been mixed around, and I think everyone sort of had him as a, a T20 specialist and a, a yep. short-form specialist. But it's good to see him uh, find a spot there opening for South Australia and, and, and scored 100 today, which is... During this match, which is which is great to see, and hopefully he can continue there. And, yeah, um, I think I just on that Tabsy, I think a lot of the credit here, Jay and Gillespie as coach, just sets a really good vibe. I was just I was down there in Wollongong covering the New South Wales and South Australian game, and just the vibe in and around the South Australian group seemed very relaxed, very composed. But not relaxed in the sense that they didn't care, but just really calm, I guess, in the way they're approaching their cricket. And someone like a Jake Weatherald who likes to play his shots, that extra freedom to do so in that environment, that that could be a little piece in the puzzle there, I think. Yeah, I think so. It's great to to see that, you know, you don't have to coach international cricket to do a good job for for in a coaching sense, like he went to England, coached in the county system there, and won a few, a few titles. Came over here with the strikers, and and they're always competing for the title every year. And, and now you can really see the improvement in South Australia, and he's got a good squad there together. And you know, a bit of criticism that they've, they've coached from other states and all that, but you can see there's a few local players now starting to get into that side. So yeah, I think you know. In the next couple of seasons, South Australia might be a little dark horse to, to come around. And when you're captained by a Western Zone uh, alumni, yeah. I didn't start to, I've just put that out there because I know that our good friend Robbie enjoys enjoys that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do we say former host? No, we don't. We don't say former no. host. Just, just one of our, our our main man, Robbie McKinlay. And we hope you well soon too, by the way, Robbie. And this, this might not have helped Robbie's situation. Maybe he's just not wanting to talk about Victoria beating New South Wales, Tabsy. And what a what an interesting scenario in this one. We had concussion substitutes. We had COVID substitutes. We even had former New South Wales first-class cricketer, former guest on the Cricket Library podcast, century maker on first-class debut, Ben Rora. Fielding for Victoria, Tabsy. I saw, I saw that. Just doesn't feel West. right. No, no. Yeah, it's really like if you if you turned out to uh, the City Power Centre there in, in in Victoria, you might have got a game. You could have got some whites, and you probably could have run out by the sound of that. Because tell you what, that, that had everything. As desperate yeah, as I am to field in a first first class game of cricket, Tabsy, I just don't know if I could put a Victorian shirt on. All due respect to Victoria, there's some. Like, I married a girl from Victoria. So, like, it's not that I've got anything against Victoria, but when when your blood is sky blue, it's just very hard to understand how that could happen. But uh, let's let's run let's run through the stats before I before before I get over complicating things here. Uh, New South Wales winning the toss of bowling, uh, Victoria, which I thought was interesting. I, I I don't know if there's anything in this wicket. Normally, it's it's a batsman's paradise down there at the the City Power Centre. But Victoria all out for two hundred and nine. Four wickets for Sean Abbott. Three wickets for Adam Zampa, who's trying to show his skills crossover into long format cricket. Uh, in terms of the batting, two guys made thirty nine. Will Sutherland and Sam Harper. 
they did a good job. Then New South Wales, 260, got themselves a lead. Moses Enriques, 97, before he was LBW to emerging spinner Todd Murphy. Now, a lot of talk about Todd Murphy and his exploits with the ball. Chris Tremaine, a Western zone product, holding things up at the back end of the innings with 24 not out. Four wickets for Will Sutherland and three wickets for that man, Todd Murphy. Then we had Victoria all out for 283. Campbell Kellaway, 81, top scoring there. Travis Dean, 46. And then Sam Elliott, retired hurt. Uh, We had Sam Harper and John Holland not there either. It was all happening, as they say, down at the City Power Centre. Two wickets to Tremaine, two wickets to Edwards, two wickets to Green, and two wickets to Enriquez. And then New South Wales, unfortunately, uh, being New South Wales fans that we are, Tabsy, New South Wales all out for 163. Western Zone product, Daniel Hughes, 33. Top scoring, Adam Zampa, 24, not out at the end, doing a good job as well, but not enough to get the Blues over the line. Will Sutherland, a five-wicket haul, four wickets to Todd Murphy. And that was the tale of the tape. Tabsy. Yeah, a few things come out. I don't know if the curator listens to this podcast because I know Robbie has some views about our centre <laughs> and Victoria getting the pitch there, but it looked like it was a bit more in it this time for the bowlers. And I think the, the thing came for me is that Adam Zampa came out this week saying he still has ambitions for Test cricket and he wants to play as many Shield matches. I think this is one of his first Shield matches in a couple of seasons as well. But I'd like your take on this: is who's the next lot? If a Sydney, another spinner is picked for Sydney, and they might even put another one into the squad for Adelaide, but I doubt that. But if they put another spinner in for Sydney, is, is Todd Murphy ahead of Zampa, or is, it, is Swepson still the, the second spinner? It's really, that's a really, really interesting question, Tabsy, because I think um, with my Sydney Thunder green hat on and my New South Wales hat on, Tanvir Sanger was the one I was really looking at as a post-Nathan Lyon prospect, as a leg spinner. He's got some injury troubles this season. We haven't seen much of him at all, if anything of him at all. Um, Well, just on that, I I read this morning, he's out of the big batch. Wow. There you go. Yeah, so he's, it might be the season for him, but yeah, he's, it, I read this morning he could be out for the big bash of the whole season. Oh, the whole big bash season. So, yeah, it must be a, a quite a serious injury for, so, for Sanger. So, so if you put a line through Sanger, then you say, okay, if we are going to play two spinners, now we saw Travis Head used quite smartly by Pat Cummins in this test match here, and, and he did quite a reputable job as well. And then you've got Marnus Lavashane who bowls part-time leg spin also. The question then is, do do you play another leg spinner? Do you go to a, a Swepson? Do you go to a Adam Zampa, as an example? Or does young Todd Murphy jump the queue, so to speak? I just don't know whether you would play two specialist off spinners. I I know New South Wales used used to like the, they they'd have Gavin Robertson, Greg Matthews. Uh, they'd have Stuart McGill and David Friedman. They'd have those four to choose from when Sydney used to be a real turning wicket. And often they'd play three. And you could almost play sort of Greg Matthews as a batting all-rounder and then carry a Robertson and a Matthews or a Robertson and a uh, a Robertson and, and McGill or a Robertson and a Friedman. But... I don't know, Tabsy. What's your view on playing two off spinners? I'd be really interested to see 
see if there is any data around two off spinners at the SCG because it used to always be Warren and May. Um, you'd go leg spin, off spinner. Um, and if Warren, if Warren dropped out, it'd be McGill coming in or maybe a Peter McIntyre coming in. But I can't think of the last time, other than in one day international cricket, where you'd have Peter Taylor and Greg Matthews operating perhaps in the same game. I think it's quite rare. I think it's very rare, but I think with the current Australian setup, you've got some flexibility. You've got Cameron Green who plays just an extra quick. You've got uh, then you've got things like uh, uh, Head took some wickets today. Yep. And you've got Labuschagne who, who can throw some leg spinners down. So there's actually quite a bit of flexibility. And then you've got Steve Smith who I know he's a reluctant bowler, but if home for a pinch would probably throw some down as well. So this Australian side has a lot of flexibility in its current setup. So. You could get two off spinners in there. Yeah, I, I, I still, I still feel Shrepson probably the number two. Yep. But I tell you what, there's, there's some uh, people coming down. He's chasing him very quickly in Zampa and, and Todd Murphy, who's uh, you know he's picked up quite a lot of wickets. So I was watching the highlights of the wickets he took today and uh, just bowled a couple through the gate. Daniel Hughes just left one and, and he lost his off stump and uh, you know Curtis Patterson. Uh, same again, went back and hit in front. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. So, the way he's getting his wickets at the moment, too, it's not, you know, there's not the slogs and, you know, getting caught and all that. He, he's got a bat pad there as well, so he's got a bit of spin off Henrik. So, yeah, it's the way he's getting his wickets is, is what I'm really impressed with Todd Murphy. So, you know, he's come out of the, the, the PM11 match as well and did yeah. quite well. So, I, I think they've got some high hopes for him. I, I think he's coming with a bullet very quickly, but I still think Shreps is number two. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I tend to agree. And I think I I tend to go, this is going to shock the world, um, I I tend to go with a leg spinner if there's a leg spinner available. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, uh, yeah, somebody sounds shocked out there, I'm sure. But, um, but I'm sure, yeah. yeah but, probably should have given a warning then to sit down. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, like that. Apologies to our loyal yeah. listeners there. That, that is some breaking news. I'm mm. I'm favouring a leg spinner. But, yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm quite delighted with what I'm seeing from uh, Todd Murphy as well and the fact that Todd Murphy wears glasses. Oh, that, that, that's... That, would put that almost makes him a, a moral selection, doesn't it, really? Oh, in your world, it does. <laughs> now, now, speaking of moral selections, it was great oh. to see Bryce Street uh, in the runs for Queensland. 83, uh, top scoring for them in their first innings of six declared for 295. The entire first day of this game lost to rain. So Queensland trying to set up a contest, really, six for 295. Street making 83, Renshaw 54, Joe Burns 72. They were the best of the batters. Joel Paris, good to see him back bowling. Three for 26. Lance Morris, two for 61. And then WA, led by Cameron Bancroft, 164 at the top of the order. Not out. He he was the mainstay at the crease. 448 balls, Tabsy. What an innings. Uh, 78 for Hilton Cartwright. 72 for Ashton Agar, and in the wickets column, Gorinda Sandu, good to see him taking wickets for Queensland, three for 80, two for 69 for Steckity, and that man, Mitch Swepson, two for 127. Then I don't know what happened here, Tabsy, but Queensland in their second innings, seven for 97. Unbelievable. 
uh, Robbie McKinley would have been thrilled, though. Jack Clayton, 37 not out off 161 of Robbie's favourite players and just holding up an end there and ensuring that Queensland were able to secure a draw. Three for 22 for Lance Morris and two for 15 for Joel Paris, the best of the bowlers. My man Bryce Street, a wonderful nine from 90 balls, just staving off the Western Australians. They just... They were just desperate to break through, and, and he made them work very, very hard for it, Tabsy. He did, and even more. They were 6 for 34 in that. So <laughs> yeah. they, they were probably happy to finish at 7 for 97. They were 6 for 34 and when Joe Burns was dismissed, in the, and that was the 27th over, so they were, they were shutting up shop. But it's a, it was a funny match. I, when I saw the first day washed out, you think, oh, this could be a, a you know just a three-day batting practice type setup, but it's interesting to see because, you know, 6 for 295 in the first innings off 102 overs, but Western Australia took 160 overs to get their 427. You've got Brenda Sandu bomb 39 overs, Deckity 31, Nessa 30, Schweppes and 41. And then, you know, even that was 65 overs for 97 in the, the second inning. So, yeah, it was without seeing a lot of the game. I don't know if the pitch was playing out. I suppose if it was raining what day one it might have been, but... I suppose if you're batting that long, it's not that bad. But yeah, it's a, it was a funny game. And I was just looking at the batting lineup here. In the first innings for Queensland, Joe Burns and Renshaw open with your man, uh, Bryce Street, batting three. In the yeah. second innings, you've got Bryce Street and Renshaw opening and Joe Burns coming in at seven. So, yeah, I'm not sure what something happened to Joe Burns during the match or something. But yeah, it's a, it was a funny game. Yeah, a good way to, to sum it up, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it, Tabsy. <laughs> uh, a funny game indeed. We've got a break for the Big Bash, obviously, coming up. The, my kids are counting down to the start of the Big Bash. A, a great time of year. Um, we're going to take a quick break now, Tabsy, and when we come back, we'll finish off with your take on England and Pakistan and our trivia question for the week. You are tuned in to the Cricket Library Weekly with Matt Ellis and special guest, Tabsy. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly. And to wrap things up, what an amazing test match we've had so far between England and Pakistan, Tabsy. The runs have been flowing. You've got some data on it. Uh, just, uh, Just run us through what we've seen so far and... Where where you think things are going here? Well, I think England being the T Twenty World Cup champions, are thinking they might be playing a five day T Twenty game. I don't know what they're on, but I'll tell you what. I know when day one came through and I was seeing the scores, I just keep looking to thinking, oh, this is surely day three or four. But oh, it was unbelievable seeing what what was happening. And when I went through, I tell you what, they have smashed a heap of records and. It's unbelievable what's done. So in the first innings, they scored 657 off 101 overs. That is the highest run rate, about just over 6.5, in test history in a completed innings, um, which is quite amazing. So 6.5, it beat the record, was 5.8 previously. So not only do that, but looking at the scores now, they're currently... 7 for 264 off just over 35 overs. They might even break this record again because they're at 7.42 <laughs> runs and over. So they're not just happy to, to smash it. They're going to go again. It's unbelievable what's, what's happening over there. So, um, you know, they've got the second highest score 
in an opening session of a men's test when they got zero, uh, none out for 174. And the only one to beat that was one for 179. Uh, South Africa got that against Australia in 1902. So that's a 120-year record they nearly beat. They scored the most runs on day one of a men's test match when they scored 506 in one day. Well, oh. Who would have thought that's even possible? Which beat 494 um, Australia versus South Africa in 1910. Gee, we're going so back a while. Oh, I reckon well, when you score decent amount of runs in a in a day in the first session, you, you know, it doesn't happen very often. Like, amazingly, looking at this, Australia got 482 10 years ago in Adelaide in a day. So I kind of forgot about that. So I think that might have been the game that uh, there was a couple of double centuries that uh, we talked about previously. Yeah. Uh, yep. In the same test inning. So, but, you know, the first over of the test went for 14, which is the highest in two decades. So, number wow. 14 after one. Uh, Zach Crawley, um, I know he sort of made his name for him on the last Ashes Tour when England didn't go quite well in Australia, but Zach Crawley came in at the end of that series and had a bit of something about him. Well, he got 186 fours, which is the fastest by an England test opener, uh, and the joint fifth fastest overall. So, yeah, he's, he's hit the record books. His uh, batting partner, Duckett, and Crawley put on 233 for the first wicket, which was the highest test opening stand against Pakistan. And more amazing about all this, that the day prior, they thought the test was going to happen because England came down with uh, maybe what Robbie's got. But, uh, <laughs> there, was, there was talk that the test might have got delayed. I think it was 14 or 15 players were in down or staff as well. And oh. they were forward to the training. But... Um, so <laughs> I think they're they're in a hurry. Well, um, it just looks like everything's flowing. Dare I say for England at the moment? I reckon, and probably think James Anderson. You know, one of the great fast bowlers, probably arguably the greatest English fast bowler. We'll probably go down. There'll be other people to discuss that. But in his Test career prior to this Test, he bowled thirty-seven thousand five hundred seven legal balls. So, <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Well, even more unbelievable, his 37,508 ball legal ball in Test cricket was his first in Pakistan. He's bowled one one in Pakistan, which he now has a wicket in Pakistan, so he now has Test wickets in nine different countries. So, what a what a journeyman! What an what an incredible career, uh, James Anderson. Thirty-seven thousand five hundred and seven balls before he got to land one in Pakistan. Uh, yeah, I think it's been 17 years since England have gone to Pakistan. So, yeah, so that, that probably makes sense. I mean, that James Anderson could have been playing 17 years ago. Away he's going, he might be playing. He might be playing for another 17 years. That's <laughs> 17 right. Years. Away he's going. I don't think he's given up. But I tell you what, there's four fast bowlers made their debut in this Test match, and I'm hoping they might not want to play Test cricket again after what they're doing here. So. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, be, we'll be keeping our eyes peeled on the conclusion of this one. It's really bringing Test cricket to life the way the Poms are playing at the moment, dare I say. Yeah, with a day to go in that Test match, you know, this is a Sunday night, they finish tomorrow on Monday. So, you know, England leading by 342 with a day and a session to go. Yeah, it'll be quite an interesting, uh, interesting conclusion to that match. Absolutely, and a very interesting conclusion to the Cricket Library Weekly this week, Tabsy. You've got a question for us now, viewers of... Oh, viewers. I don't know who's watching their screen while they they listen to the (laughs) podcast. Our listeners, our loyal listeners around the globe. Now, uh, we we do have listeners everywhere. I just want to give a quick shout-out to our listeners in Portugal. 
Uh, Portugal was the country with the second most amount of listeners in November behind Australia. So they've leapfrogged India. They've leapfrogged the United States. And in the Cricket Library Weekly listener power rankings, Portugal are number two for November. So thank you to those listeners in Portugal. It's great to have you on board. Uh, What's great about that? What's great about that? Can I just quickly add? What's great about that? that Portugal, I think, are one of the favourites for a World Cup that's being played in Qatar at the moment. But they're giving that up to listen to this. How good is that? That is outstanding. That is outstanding. Yeah, I I really do rate that commitment, um, considering the competing... Uh, things competing for your attention over there in Portugal at the moment. Now let's finish off with our quiz question, Tabsy. Let's let's get our, our our listeners. Wouldn't it be good if we had someone from Portugal touch base with an answer to this one? Well, I reckon Portugal will be all over this. I, I reckon this is right up there, Ali. So we now move to the second test match, which starts next week, uh, and we're going we're day night encounter in Adelaide. Oh, how good Adelaide over oh, the test match and the Nina oh, Stevens, like, loyal listener, she'll probably be there, I reckon. Oh, she she doesn't miss many Adelaide tests. Even when she was in Sydney, she went over there. And I'll tell you what, it's a, it's my next test wish yeah. list is to, to do a day night in Adelaide. I've done Boxing Day, done Sydney, done Brisbane. I reckon. Adelaide Oval day-night test is next on the agenda. Could be a little cricket but, library excursion. Yeah, a bit of research, I think. We yeah. Research what goes on there and maybe an outside broadcast there would be... Oh, that'd know, be delightful. The, I reckon it'd be great, yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to talk to the finance people, see if they can get that <laughs> in the budget. Or, you know, maybe the people in Adelaide or the SAC, Adelaide Oval or the SAC might want to sponsor it. You know, it'd be yeah. great advertising dollars for them. Absolutely, yeah. That, I can see that happening. Yeah. Let, 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 let's get this question in. Adelaide Oval. Yeah, Adelaide Oval. So, hosted the first ever men's day night test match uh, in 2015 against New Zealand. So, they'll go down in history for that. But what I want to know, and your, uh, our loyal listeners can to try and find out, is how many day night test matches has Adelaide Oval hosted, and what is Australia's record in these day night test matches in Adelaide? I like it. I like it. Get on yeah, get you. on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on Twitter, get on TikTok and get your answer into this question. Um, we'll, we'll put some posts up where you can comment your answer on, but if, if, if you're really dedicated and loyal, just, just tweet at Cricket Library and let us know uh, what you think the answer to that question is and and let's let's share some Adelaide Oval memories in the process. I reckon I reckon that's a great question Tabsy and we interested to see if anyone hits the nail on the head so to speak. Yeah, it's quite interesting, quite interesting. So yeah, it'd be very interesting and be a good discussion point for next week's show. Well, speaking of next week's show, uh, Robbie will hopefully be back, but it's been a absolute pleasure having you with us, Tabsy. A massive thanks to you. Uh, a massive thanks to all of our loyal listeners. A get well soon to Robbie McKinlay, and we'll let everyone get back to watching that England-Pakistan test, and we'll look forward to your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis and Matthew Tavenar for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.